Well, hello. I'm Steve Kish. Uh, my family and I uh, are back at uh, Church in the Valley. Uh, been pastoring another church for about nine years. And uh, the really nice thing, uh, the blessing uh, for us is that we're, we're back. It feels like coming home. Uh, so thank you for uh, those of you who welcomed us. And if I haven't got to know you yet, I look forward to doing that. Uh, I teach at uh, California Baptist University, and I teach math. So uh, as I tell my students, you don't have to take notes. You don't have to turn anything in. Um, that's kind of for your benefit. And uh, uh, But like all things, we're preparing for a test. In this case, uh, the most important one. It's life. Uh, we're continuing uh, talking about our, our Bible stories. And today we're going to talk about uh, the Apostle Paul. Uh it's a familiar story, I think. Uh, Paul was like me. Uh, he didn't grow up in church. Uh, I know that sounds strange for Paul, uh, but uh, it wasn't that he wasn't religious, because he was. Uh, Paul was, uh, in fact, very religious. Uh, but his understanding of uh, church probably was very similar to mine. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh from Paul's writings, uh, we learn a lot of church doctrine, uh, right? This is uh, because of what we believe, why we do what we do. Uh, and like any good hero's story, uh, we're going to focus on Paul's origin story. Uh, and I want you to think about it this way, that it matters less where you come from and what you've done, then it matters what you're going to do with what you have right now. Paul's conversion is a story of misplaced enthusiasm and how God set it right. Now, that might seem strange to you because in our culture we hear a lot about how uh, it doesn't matter what you believe, just just be passionate, just believe something. Uh, of course, depending on where you come from, if you believe something that other people don't uh, don't believe or don't like, uh, you tend to hear that as well. Uh, you hear things like, uh, as long as you're committed, that's what matters. Uh, yet our world is full of people who uh, believe in something, uh, and it doesn't just uh, matter that you believe it, believe, matters what you actually believe in. Uh, the standard for truth is uh, not how much you believe, it's, it's whether it actually is reality or not. So we're going to talk about uh, Paul's story and where he comes from. Uh, we first hear of Paul's story. He's not called Paul. In fact, uh, he's called Saul. Uh, Saul was given, uh, it was his given name, uh, as far as being a Jewish name, was Saul. He was only called Paul in Roman and Greek society, probably Paulus. Uh, and it's significant that when we uh, read through uh, the book of Acts, we actually see a transition of where he's called Saul and then when he's called Paul. Uh, they were both his names, but the timing is significant. Uh, we have to actually see that quite a bit in scripture where there seems to be a name change, but, but for a reason. And we, and we do get that uh, from Paul. Uh, and so Saul, starting there, uh, 
he was there in Acts 6 and 7 when Stephen, uh, who was basically a deacon in the first century church, right, serving people, caring for people, loving people, and helping meet the needs of those in the church, uh, Saul was there when Stephen was arrested, when Stephen gave his testimony about what God had done in his life and who Jesus was. And, and Saul uh, stood over as uh, basically the mob gathered around and stoned Stephen to death. And scripture records in chapter 8, verse 1, that Saul was standing there giving his approval. Why? Why would he give his approval? And, and, and that's really important that we understand why Saul gave his approval. It starts with Paul's credentials. Uh, in fact, Paul started his own story for us. We've got to appreciate that. Uh, when he addressed the people in Jerusalem, in Acts 22.3, Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of uh, Cilicia, but brought up in this city in Jerusalem. Educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are to this day. Paul, called Saul, was a Roman citizen. Because of where he was born, he was Jewish and faithful to his heritage and his upbringing. I know a lot of people think that's all it means to be a Christian, just where you come from. And that's really what it was for him. He was, he was Jewish and he was committed to it. He studied under Gamaliel. We know of Gamaliel uh, from the book of Acts. Uh, in addition to being Paul's teacher, he was a leader in the Sanhedrin. That was basically a body of, of uh, religious leaders that would, uh, would kind of dictate how people ought to uh, conduct themselves as good Jewish people. Uh, he was wise and respected. In fact, in Acts 5, uh, when the Christians were brought in, and they, there were some that wanted them put to death, it was Gamaliel who stood up and said, uh, look, in this case, if these men aren't of God, uh, it's going to fail. But if they are of God, you don't want to oppose them. In fact, you might even find yourself in opposition to God. And so uh, Gamaliel being well-respected, people listened and they weren't put to death. That's who Paul sat under, right? So a wise leader. Paul took it upon himself to ferret out Christians, right? Because he was um, so enthusiastic for his beliefs and his faith, he took it upon himself. To, to go in and find Christians, we need to stamp out these malicious heretics that will leave other people astray. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this. Someone that, that you know might be opposed to God in, in much the same way. In fact, you might be in opposition to God. Uh, probably not the uh, rounding up, incarcerating, and even potentially putting people to death because they're Christians, but... But at some point, we are opposed to God, um, probably not so much for fear of, of what uh, they're teaching, uh, right? what Christians might be teaching, but you might be opposed to God because it might mean something that you do or believe hurts 
right? It might be dangerous or wrong. And so often we are in opposition uh, to God because of that. Like Paul. Uh, so in Acts chapter 9, I'm not going to read all the details, but in Acts chapter 9, uh, Paul has basically warrants that he can go. This was from the high priest in the temple. And he could go, if he found a Christian, he could arrest them, haul them off and put them in jail. He was traveling from place to place doing this, uh, persecuting the church. In fact, we're told that he was breathing out threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, those who belong to the way, right? The way were, were the Christians. Uh, and as he was traveling on the, along the road and he had uh, companions that had accompanied him, uh, suddenly, and I can't stress this enough, uh, something sudden happened. Uh, you might think of um, you know driving down the highway and a blowout uh, on on a tire. It's sudden. It's unexpected. It's dangerous. It's it's scary. Your your heartbeat is going. Your adrenaline is going. Something is going on that has got your attention. And for uh, for Saul, uh, not only was it a blinding light, but there was a voice. And, and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he's like, wait, I don't even know who you are. What is going on? And he says, look, I'm Jesus. I'm the one you're persecuting. He wasn't just persecuting the church. He wasn't just persecuting heretics. He was persecuting Jesus. And he tells him, look, you need to, to, to rise and, and go where I tell you. You need to go and I'm going to send someone to you that's going to explain some things to you. Now, this is my one of my favorite parts of Scripture. Because there was a believer named Ananias. There's two Ananiases in the New Testament. This is, this is the one uh, that we like. Ananias was a Christian, a faithful believer. And God came to him and said, right, he hears a voice. Rise, you need to go to the street called Straight. Uh, you need to go into the house of Judas. There you're going to meet Saul from Tarsus. And and you need to pray with him. You need to explain things. Now, think about this. Ananias, who's a faithful believer, knows that Saul is rounding up Christians. He's arresting them. He says, wait, God, do you mean I should go there and talk to uh, Saul who's going to arrest me? God says, look, I've got a plan. Ananias did it. Ananias packed up his stuff. He went there. I like the fact that it's the street called Straight. He went to the Straight Street. He went there and he said, okay, I'm here. He walked in. He laid his hands on him. He prayed with him. Now, there's probably so much more that went on in that room. There are details of conversations that he had with Saul. But I can't stress the point that Ananias went immediately. He called Saul brother. God used ordinary Ananias because Ananias was faithful. God used that to get Saul's attention so that Saul could hear the good news and believe. It says something like scales fell from his eyes and he was able to see after that because 
Once he met Jesus, he couldn't see until Ananias had prayed for him. And we're not done with Saul. He studied for years. We kind of miss it when we read the book of Acts that Saul studied. He studied God's word. He spent time with a lot of believers. And, and in the midst of that, he was compelled, right? Out of faithfulness, he was compelled to go and tell others about God. It, it wasn't a, uh, he believed one day and the next day he was this great missionary church planter leader. There was a process of time with mature believers, those who had gone before him, and that's helpful. But he always was faithful to sharing what God had told him. How could this happen in this way? How could uh, Saul, Paul, who was breathing out murderous threats on his way to Damascus, and then we turn in, we call him the Apostle Paul, right? The messenger of God who would go and, and plant churches. How could that happen? Well, I've got a few things, and this is uh, really how we, we put... Uh, uh, put this into action for ourselves. First of all, admitting your mistakes and trying to set them right may be the hardest thing you do. But it's worth it. There might be a point in your life where, where you realize, I have gone down the wrong path. Can't believe that, that I have gotten distracted from what mattered. I can't believe that I'm so off from, from what I'm supposed to be doing. And if that's the case... Like Paul, getting back on track might be really hard, but, but you don't have to do it alone. Right? God does it. I think it's the admitting part that becomes really hard. Uh, it's because of pride, right? That in our pride, we often don't want to admit that we messed up. In our, in our pride, we don't want to say, you know, uh, I thought I had it all figured out and come to find out. I didn't. I was wrong. And so... Um, Admitting we're wrong. Uh, you know, it's good to be enthusiastic about something as long as the, the purpose is good. Uh, Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, chapter, chapter 4, 17 and 18. <laughs> this is what he said. Um, they make much of you. He's talking to the church. He's like, look, there's people trying to lead you astray and they're making a lot of you, right? That they're, they're coming in saying, you guys are awesome. And they're, they're all excited. He says, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. Right? They're, they're distracting you. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. Right? It's really all about them, but that's not how it comes across. They're making it sound like it's about you. It's always good to be made much for a good purpose. Not only when I am present with you. So, so Paul's saying, look, it's really good. It's, it's, it's a grand thing to be made much of. It, it, it's great to be zealous. It's great to be excited. It, it, it's good as long as the purpose is right. These people were coming in and distracting them and trying to lead them astray. You realize there's people that would do that, that would see you faithful to God. Even if I could distract them a little bit, there's a reason for it. And, and it's probably one you're aware of. It, it's that saying that misery loves company. What, what that really means is that when people aren't right with the Lord, they want others to not be right with the Lord. Now, they may not even know that or describe it that way, 
But that's the reality of it. They want company. They want others to join in because it gives validity to what they're doing. Uh, it, it's dangerous because we don't think about it that way. We see people that that uh, seem happy, that that seem to love their life, and we're like, wow, that seems good. So what's so wrong about it? And yet what they're doing is trying to draw you in. Uh, and it's not about you. It's about them, right? Because if you join in, they feel better about themselves. And so Paul talks about being zealous for the law. But what does that mean, right? To be zealous for the law. Uh, for Paul, his zeal for the Lord uh, was, well, it kind of works like this. It's it Basically, it's adding to the law. If, if this is what it means to follow Jesus, it, it kind of works like this, right? I, I told you I teach math. I'm not going to have you do math today, so you can relax. Uh, but it would be like this. If I said something like uh, two plus two equals four. Well, that's true, right? And so we would all agree that that is true. Uh, but it, instead of just saying two plus two equals four, uh, we, we complicate things. And so, so we might say something like uh, two plus two minus five equals four plus one minus six. And you're like, well, is that still true? And it starts to get really complicated to see if there's any uh, truth to it. The, now, the reason they did it was they were trying to be careful, right? If you believe this, let's let's not make an opportunity where we could fall into sin. So, so we're not just going to say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Instead, they're going to say, by loving the Lord, you should really be careful that you are uh, going to church every Sunday and praying before every meal and uh, tithing, and right? So we start adding specifics instead of saying, love the Lord. And so that's what they were doing. So in his, his zeal, his enthusiasm, he went so far as to obtain those warrants and arrest those Christians. He had to then step back and say, I was wrong. I was wrong in that. Recognizing what really matters is a key to a successful life, right? Getting your priorities straight. In Philippians 3, 4, and 6, Paul wrote this. He says, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. So Paul saying, look, I've, I've got this figured out. Trust me. He says, I have more. Uh, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, and as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Look, I, I was very careful to do everything right, he says. And if anybody can, can cast doubt, they, they can't. There's no way. But he doesn't stop there because that wasn't enough, right? This is that acknowledgement. Something isn't quite right. He says, verse 7, but whatever gain I had, right, by doing every little thing, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And so Paul acknowledged his area of, of sin. He acknowledged his, uh, his reliance on the letter of the law instead of God's grace. Well, what changes do you need to make And what steps do you need to take in order to work 
toward those priorities, right? Un- understanding what really matters. Uh, so I'm going I'm to say it this way. First of all, you need to apologize, right? There, there's an area of your life where you know you're off track. You need to apologize. Uh, apology in, in that way is always to God, right? To acknowledge I really messed up and you go to God first. But there, there's probably people that you need to go to, right? People you might need to say, you know, I, I really messed up, uh, got off track, said some hurtful things. I'd like to make that right. Will you forgive me? Uh, the fancy word that we use, uh, the biblical word, is called repent. It, and literally it means to turn. And it doesn't just mean uh, to turn arbitrarily, right? It's not just spinning for the sake of spinning. It's to turn from where you're going, to turn from sin and to turn toward Christ. So we repent, we turn, and we get going in the right direction. Uh, that's really the, the point of what the church does. Right, We do this together because there's nobody who says, I've got it all figured out. And, 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 and I know lots of pastors, they, they don't go, look, I've got it all figured out. You know, Just do whatever I do. In fact, they go, we're going to figure this out together. Imagine if you're out on the, the 15 freeway, you have places to go, you, you're enjoying the drive, you're, you're liking what you do. And then pretty soon in the rearview mirror, you see the CHP officer. You see the flashing lights. You have a choice, right? Your choice is that you could pull over right away, which I would recommend, of course, or you could ignore them. They're not really there for me. That's for other people. Uh, I don't really believe in police. I don't believe they have authority over me. If, if, they cared what was good for me. They would let me drive however I want. An all-powerful government that has a right to tell me that something I did is wrong, I, I just don't believe it. Now, now look, if, if you really are driving down the freeway and you see the flashing lights, you could pretend all you want. You could say, I don't believe in them all you want. But the reality is that they're really there. And the consequences of you ignoring them will only get worse. And so, here it is. Can you see yourself different? See, like Paul's story, his, his origin story, it matters what you do with what you have today. I don't know where you're at in your origin story. Uh, are you like Saul just kind of doing your thing, doing what you think is right in your own mind instead of trusting God? Are you, are you maybe in the middle of it going, you know, I'm trying to figure this out. I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm heading in the right direction. Or are you in uh, kind of after that and say, here I am like Paul. I know where I'm going. I haven't got it all figured out, but I know where I'm going. I'm, I'm trying to do this right. I'm, I'm working with other believers to, to serve the Lord. Uh, how exciting. I'm excited for you. That, that in the midst of, of your story, that you could look back and go, you know, here's where I used to be. Here's what God did, and here's where I am now, and I'm, I'm better off today than I was. Now, if you're not there yet, then my encouragement to you is to stop and pause, take a minute with the Lord. I've got some next steps for you today. Uh, first of all, that you would admit, say it this way, admit my mistakes, repent, repent and trust the Lord. 
uh, if that's what you need to do. Now, repentance is a funny thing. It's not just that one time, right? It wasn't just Paul on the road to Damascus. That was his one time repenting. Uh, repentance is any time you're aware of sin, you acknowledge it before God. You repent. You turn from it and you trust the Lord. And so that might be where you're at in your origin story. Uh, second one, um, I'm going to ask God to redirect my enthusiasm toward things that are true and really matter. Uh, what that looks like. There are a lot of causes that are good that you might be enthusiastic for. My guess is if you work a job, you go to school, whatever it is, you, you're, you're enthusiastic about it or you're not. Maybe that's the problem. Uh, but you would ask God, God, help me get my priorities right. Help me be enthusiastic for things that truly matter. And then the third one, uh, consider joining the CIV community. God gave us the church. The purpose of it is that we do it together. We lean on one another. It's not just a place you go on Sunday. You kind of hang out. You listen to some music that you like or, you know, whatever. You kind of sing along and, and I've got some buddies and, and maybe get a cup of coffee. It, it's not that. In fact, church doesn't just happen Sunday morning and most of church doesn't happen Sunday morning. Church happens in between the Sundays. We lean on one another. We, we uh, text that brother, that sister and say, you know, I'm struggling or here, can I, can I get some prayer? How can I pray for you? How can I be there for you? Uh, that's what church is. And so I would encourage you, uh, to uh, be a part of that. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that, uh, we can listen to your word, that, uh, you give us the example, Paul's origin story, how incredible that is. And Father, wherever uh, we are at in that process, my, my prayer is that we could look back and say, here's where I was, here's what God's doing, and I can't wait to see what God does next. Help us to be faithful to your calling, to your purpose, the priorities that matter, to honor you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.